Welcome, welcome, welcome to Walking Through Glass, the podcast with your host, Dr. Dina C. Brown. And you know what time it is. It's time, everybody, to get real. Real talk. is time for us to kick off another dynamic conscious conversation. Yes, yes, yes. I am so excited today as your host, Dr. Dina C. Brown, officially known as the Catalyst Y, because I make shift happen. But more importantly, I am here to bring you conscious conversation about all the ish that we deal with as women and that we and our own unique sisterhood need to talk about so that we can all achieve our greatest dreams and our biggest and have our biggest desires. And today, I am so uber excited to have Jacqueline Miller on the show with me, and we're going to engage in some conscious conversation that's going to blow you away. But without further ado, I'm gonna let Miss Jacqueline introduce herself and tell you where she's from. Oh, first of all, thank you. I'm honored, Dr. Dina, to be uh, a guest on your show. But let me just introduce myself to your audience. Um, I am Jacqueline Miller, and I am the founder of a company called Jacqueline DuJour Enterprises. And what that is, is a professional training and coaching company whose primary mission is to bridge that gap between high achieving women like myself and you and many women listening in on this um, podcast, their aspirations for life and career excellence. And then what I do is I mesh that in many cases with leading edge organizations that are themselves committed to fostering exceptional and work cultures for women. That has been my passion. I've um, founded that company four years ago. And in doing so, what I did was I I used, and I'm continuing to use, 20 years of extensive human resources experience in the in the corporate setting, and literally and, and simply, I show moms how to successfully excel in life guilt free. That is something mm. that I think we as women, especially we as moms, struggle with. You know, I my goal is to help them find what I call healthy harmony. Some people call it work-life balance, but I'm the one that has never believed in the concept of balance because I don't think you can ever equally dispense your time, your love and such. 
Um, and then when it makes sense for those that are interested, once they've reached that place of feeling this sense of healthy harmony, if they're interested, preparing them for that affected transition from, let's say, the corporate setting or the nonprofit setting where they're working for someone else being bossed to potentially becoming the boss in an entrepreneurial um, setting. Because I believe, Dr. Dina, where there is a healthy harmony in your life, there is generally more happiness, more success, more money, more time to just live that life that we all have by design and simply not falling into one by default. Oh my gosh, you've said any and everything. And there are so many tweetables in that, that I want to advise everybody listening. Now you might want to go grab your pen, your paper, um, hit repeat. Luckily you can download this (laughs) and play it over and over again, because just in that intro alone, there were so many nuggets of gold, especially the words that jumped out at me was that concept of being guilt-free. And and you'll see my hashtag, which there's two primarily ones I use, embrace the journey. Mm-hmm. But really, it's about do being unapologetically authentic. And that includes being guilt-free from decisions that you make that are in the best interest for your life. And that as women, oftentimes, especially as moms, that guilt factor that parental guilt, that friend guilt, that family guilt, all of that kind of hits us. And then that healthy harmony. And I always say, um, balance is overrated. Seek harmony. And that you can't, in in all truth, now, if someone has made it happen, please let me know and give me the pill, the shot, and send me to the camp. And then you pass it on to me. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to share with you because you know I like to share. Because honestly, when... And if you think about the scales of justice, and I like to create this visual, as we even talk about it, even from a mom and a parent and a businesswoman perspective and a career individual perspective, is that when you think of the scales of justice, and they always show them that they're kind of uneven, right? And that if you keep putting the same amount on both sides, it's going to constantly remain uneven. So you have to figure out how to work that by adding just the right amount to each side to bring it into balance. And that's why you need to seek the harmony of it because sometimes you're going to have to give a little bit more. Yes. I couldn't agree more. Then, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and, then, and the other visual, yeah. the other visual that I'd like the women to take with them when they are adamant about holding on to that, well, I'm going to find balance. I'm going to find balance. Imagine sitting in front of a juggler. And the juggler is juggling balls. When have you ever, I've never seen this, but when have you ever seen a juggler juggling his or her balls and having them all in their hands at the same time? Oh, say that. Something is always up in the air. And you know what? What we have as women have to come to a point in life and accept, that's okay. That's okay. It's not, that's not saying it's going to be permanent, but for that moment, it's okay. Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. And then, and then add the parental piece in there. So yes, if you are an empty nester or you um, don't have children yet, cause you had either whether it's by choice or per circumstance or whatever. But if you add the parent space and the mom space, and I know I'm not going to take any credit away from dads, but right now it's going to be all about the moms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're going to talk about 
the moms, because I don't know what it's like to be a dad, but I can really speak consciously about being a mom. I can speak consciously about being a single mom, a divorced you know, mom. I can speak to being a, about a career mom, a mom that has not always gotten it right, but my heart and my conscience was free and clear because I did and use everything in my wheelhouse to make decisions at that time that I thought were beneficial for myself and my family and even my son. And so again, at the fact that not just being a mom, career mom, entrepreneur, all that, but being the mom of a young man, a boy who's now 17, and you know, hearing all of the the rhetoric about what it's like and that it really truly takes a man to raise a man. I'm not disputing that, but it takes a mother to really raise a powerful son. And I think that that needs to be. And then I'm going to throw in another piece to our Creole crockpot is that when we have an African-American son in America and having to make sure that they have a global awareness of their strength, their power, and their dynamics and what that looks like, there's so many things. And I know that before when you and I talk, we could talk like forever about this. So y'all need to really, really get ready. I'm not even joking because <laughs> it is such a rich conversation and the journeys that we've taken, even though they're parallels, it's not exactly the same, but we have and share some of the same truths that we have experienced on this particular journey. Yeah. Um, it is such, like you stated, not taking anything away from dads, not taking anything away from mothers who are also, you know, raising daughters. There's something about that paradigm of mothers raising sons, particularly mothers like yourself and I, who had an unexpected event enter into our life, which impacted our parenting schedule and skills and process. You, as many women, didn't enter into a marriage expecting it to end in divorce. I did not enter into a marriage and then parenthood and expect to become a widow more than a decade ago. That was not a part mm. of my plan. But as my grandmother used to say, we make plans and God laughs. Not that this is a laughable yep. matter, but it was an indication for me, as I'm sure it was for you, that we don't have the final say and we have to right. stay at the ready in all aspects of our lives. So when I became, um, as I tended to call myself at that time, suddenly single more than a, a decade ago, obviously that was a significant loss for me personally. Right. But to this day, to this day, the hardest thing that I've had to do was to tell my sons who at the time were five and 10 that their dad was no longer with us. Wow. And then when we got beyond, you know, that initial shock and all of the other things that go with facing death and, and, and such, my number one concern was my boys. Because as you are 
I was, still am to certain to a certain extent, because my sons are now millennials. My number one concern was their well-being, but not in addition to that, I was determined I was not losing my sons to the streets. I was not gonna right. lose them to the stereotypes of, of of so many out here in our society that exists not just for young black boys, but particularly young black boys being raised by single moms. That wasn't happening. That wasn't going down on my watch. So a lot, if not all of my focus as a parent was seeing to it that they continue to live a life, not identical to what it was like, you know, while their dad was alive, because that was impossible but I certainly was going to do everything, all my blood, sweat, tears, and more on my knees, the whole nine, to see to it that my sons had the same opportunities to grow into young, functioning, happy young men as they would have had had their dad still been alive. Right. And even if their dad was still alive, that unique aspect of them being young African-American males in today's society was, you still have to do that, but you would have had that other person that was right thin in there in the thick of it with you and stuff. So let's be, like you said, be really real about that. That's a whole nother show in itself of just being a parent of a child of color. Because Dina, the the reality is, and it, it, it was difficult to swallow this pill but when I share my story and just have conversations with other women um, and dads as well who are raising uh, young black men, I remind them as difficult as it is to embrace and accept, particularly in these days, we are raising members of an endangered species. That's point blank, wow. period, we, our reality. They are members of an endangered species. When you look at the, the, the prison system, who dominates it? When you turn on the television and you hear of all kinds of stuff involving bad policing, who in many cases, if not most cases, does it involve young black men? We are raising members of an endangered species, and that requires us to be on the ready more than ever. Vigilant. And and really, we talk about the, the movement and the sense of clarity. And when I speak on my own unique um, journey on this and raising a child outside of the United States for the majority of his life, and that having a distorted perspective of what it was like to be a Black male, because when you've never lived in America, and he might have, I remember him being in kindergarten. And um, he came home and he was telling me that the child, one of the students didn't play. We were living in Germany at the time and I was still married at the time. And he was coming and he was and he was telling me that the kid didn't want to play with him. And I said, well, why? You know, he didn't understand. And he said, he said, because I'm brown. But the look Uh on his face, he didn't make a connection to that was because of who he was. You know, he still didn't digest that. And so as an educated, also, again, not discrediting anyone that has not have a traditional education, but I'm going to have to speak to who I am. So that's how, that's the framework I'm going to use is that as an educated professional career person, and uniquely for me, 
I was a school principal for nearly 10 years. So when I'm talking about stuff that happens at school, I know what I'm talking about. So being the mom, okay, of a male African-American child in a system that I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that when they see him, they already make and draw certain conclusions. And so I was increasingly vigilant about being present. But that ward sometimes with my responsibility, especially when I was transitioning, because we're talking about walking through the glass and it's not the stuff that happens of getting to that position of power and position and prestige is what happens once you're there. And so being there in it and having to make a choice and sometimes like, okay, I... I did make my parent conference, you know, and sometimes people didn't necessarily want to work with me schedule wise to get there. Well, when I'm running a school all day, it's sometimes a challenge to go pop in <laughs> to, to go and stop and go to a conference because it's only on that one particular day, especially if the schools did not mesh with my school calendar. But then again, I made it work because then I made it a priority. But other times when I had to work late and I brought him with me. To work, or he had to sit there, or I felt like I was distracted at the end of the day. And I remember going through, um, and, and this one, oh my God, this was a, such a, I forgot even about the memory till I started sharing with you. But to put everything in perspective about when you spoke about that whole concept of being, you know, guilt free and, and really having a healthy sense of harmony, I recall when Xavier was probably about. He had to be somewhere between two and three-ish years old. And I was in the classroom at that point in time. And, you know, again, being a single mom, I would go to work, do everything, you know, put him in the car. I was living overseas. I was by myself. I didn't even have, you know, my family there. And I remember that I had this routine because, again, you have to form these routines. And I remember, you know, okay, I'm going to make it work because I'm going to be super mom, right? <laughs> so... When he got home, I had his food ready. I set him at the, set him down to eat. That's when I went to go do laundry. That's when I got to go pick up. And I just kind of kept this crazy thing. So then one day I sat down and I was watching my child eat like a savage. <laughs> I was like, what in the world? And I said to myself out loud, I can laugh at it now. Who taught you to eat like that? And it was a mirror slap in my face said, you did. Because instead of being present with him to sit down and have a meal and, and talk and enjoy the day, even though he was small, I thought it wouldn't matter, you know, it won't matter right now, you know, because he, he'll be fine. Let me go get this stuff done. Is that I didn't teach him how to hold mm. his fork properly. You know, it, I mean, it, it may seem minor, but it was huge for me at the time because it was, it put so many things in perspective of that I actually have to show up. And yes. right now it is just me. And it's the little things, like you said, <laughs> and it he might feel yeah. like it's something small, but these things, you know, stay, they grow into other things because if we leave the smaller things untouched, that small thing then initially will eventually grow into something bigger and then we'll be overlooking something else. So we are always on our toes 
trying to make sure we cover our bases. But unfortunately, you know, we will miss things, which is one of the reasons why I stress. Right. Um, and I had to get to that point in my life to strive for excellence, not perfection. Because I think when, when as moms, we're right. in positions, especially as single moms, but not always just single moms, we're trying to be perfect. And as I said to my sons as they were growing up, I cannot expect perfection from you because then that would mean I would need to be perfect. And I'm far from it. Right. But do I expect excellence? Mm-hmm. Do I expect black excellence from you, descendants of kings and queens? Yes, I do. Don't step into my space with average and think you're going to get a smile from mom when I know you've got so much more in you. Right. Oh, oh my gosh. Have you said a word as we fast forward, you know, 14 years later and being married again and then being divorced again, again, that's a whole nother show (laughs) discussion because, but the residual that came and like you said, you know, when unexpected happenings, because the way that I had things planned that I wasn't going to be the way right here, what I'm doing right now, I, I had a whole nother vision, another location. I had a whole nother, all kinds of things. But like you said, when we make plans for our lives and we have it all set up the way that we think it's going to go, it's like, yeah, it's a big exactly. joke. Like I said, really? <laughs> that ain't it. That ain't it. And, and I just had a parent conference and all those little things along the way, that we store, which is I call phantom limbs. And women have a tendency to hold on to some stuff. And and we go back. I mean, even if, you know, to digress real quick, we'll go back to the person we're seeing. And if they had a picture from their elementary school girlfriend <laughs> in the car back when they was in elementary school, yes. we 38 high, you know, <laughs> and we never let that go. So I've worked really hard on kind of removing a lot of the sludge and what I call phantom limbs. But I think back to those early years of, oh, I didn't get a chance to show him this. And so how is he going to be able to show up being a young African-American male and present himself? Because when we moved back to the States in 2016 and we moved back to Orange County where we live and I said, okay, I need to be very clear with you. I have empowered you and told you there's really nothing that you can do. And that's still a fact. But what I need you to be conscious and aware of, okay, is that when people see you, they're not going to check your passport. They're not going to check your other experiences. They're not going to ask you who your mama is. They're not going to know the framework in which you were raised. Okay. They're going to see this attractive, tall, football player, what I call baby pumpkin steel, black male in a very crystal white society. And I need you to be conscious of that, not afraid. I said, in conscious of that, even your associations with people. I said, because if you're the only one, which you are most of the time, and a group of people that don't look like you, when things happen in your situations, and someone has to arrive exactly. on the scene. Sometimes they're going to look at you first. Exactly. And that's, that's just the way, you know, society exists right now. And that's so, that's why it's so important that we have, as we refer to often in our community, the talk with our sons early on, both my sons yeah. 
I mean, um, I'm, I'm, I'm so proud of both of them. It's so interesting that you and I are having this conversation um, when we're having it because both my sons are about to travel to different states with press passes mm. to very prominent oh, wow. events. And this is the first time that I can recall that they are traveling on the same day. And wow. Dina, I would be lying to you if I didn't admit that I tossed and turned last night over this reality because I'm always concerned. And this is one of the things I try and stress to women, um, particularly moms. Your mom title never expires. If I hear one more parent. Right. Your mom title never expires. If I hear one more parent, one more person say to me, well, you're lucky. You're at a phase now when you don't have to worry or your boys are older. And I just look at them and I say, you know, again, your mom title never expires. Your focus and your involvement in their lives and their life issues just change. But as mothers of, of, of yes. young black men, any time they are out of your presence, especially in the evening, not the daytime is any safer anymore, but especially in the evening, right. I'm concerned. And as I said, both of them, one is going by bus, one is going by plane. And they're going to be gone for a couple mm. of days. And I'm going to be concerned as a mom. They're going to, I mean, they've got, these are opportunities of a lifetime for both of them. But as a mom, I can't even relish completely in that excitement because I am so wrapped up in knowing my connection with God is what I have to stand on to keep me focused on my own business and what I've got to do. But just asking God before they even step out, because neither of them have left yet, to God, please keep them safe. Um, because they're going into environments right. where they're going to be thousands of people. And those with press passes that look like them are going to be few and far between. And I'm sure someone's going to walk up to them right. and say, can I help you? Or assume that they are the help. Or, or something along those those lines. Um, so it's it, it it it's a never ending role as a mom, and that's why as part of my business, one of my my my, my focuses, um, you know, I, I I reach out to to women of of all ages as far as adulthood goes, but the moms that I am most focused on empowering and and in assisting are those who are raising teens and are still being the mom figure in the lives of young adults, the empty nesters, because again, that role has no expiration date. I do not get to hang up my cleats and go, okay, college grad. Now I'm done. Yeah. I'm done paying for tuition. I'm done doing a whole lot of other things, but as far as wondering, are they okay? Are they happy? And then as we as we spoke about earlier, that guilt factor, 
How many times, Dr. Dina, do you say to yourself, did I do this? And you just mentioned this. Did I do this? Did I do this well? Could I have done that better? We constantly reach back because we know what we're dealing with. We're dealing with young boys, you know, growing into manhood who we have to send into the world as best prepared as we can. So we're constantly rethinking that plan and those steps and that strategy. Did we do all that we could do as mothers? And what's concerning for me, and I see it a lot in my business, in doing so, we have to be conscious of the fact that our self-care has to remain paramount because as we all know if we're not taking care of ourselves we're not in a position to adequately take care of anybody else that's right oh my gosh that um, when you were speaking i was just getting all kind of chills because the exact conversation if i brought and grabbed xavier in here and said okay let's sit down and have a conversation and I said, you know, what is it, my big, what is what I want for you? He said, is that you want me to be a viable adult? And when I had a recent parent conference, and again, knowing my background and my expectations and him being clear about what my expectations are, when we moved here, there's something that's happened. And I know that our lifestyle shifted. And so again, we go back to carrying that weight as a mom that when I made a choice to leave or I made a choice that what was best for us was for us not, um, was, was divorce, then there's some guilt that comes on. And I think too, for, for boys, um, and girls too, but I think I really felt a lot at times that I thought he's mad at me. Because our life changed, you know, big house gone, this call, that sense of stability that he needed, um, even though for the majority of his life, whether it was geographically or whatever, it was the mo- it was me and him for the majority, you know, of that, because whether it was my ex-husband was deployed, you know. So even when I say a single parent, I'm talking about even geographically single because <laughs> being married and you're still alone. Yeah, because your spouse is yes. in the military. That's a whole other space too. So um, I'll add that caveat in there when I'm speaking about the range of the life. I'm not just speaking to um, post-divorce. I'm saying even being in the mix and being alone and having to figure it out and how to go pee and you know what to do with your body. What do you do? you know what I mean? And you can send them to school. You have people to have talks and all that kind of stuff. But as a mom, you still worry: Are they still? Are they? You know? Do they really, really know? Um, but I always speak to him about being a viable adult. And so when we came here and I noticed that academically, his performance just plummeted. And that was like, wait, wait, I don't understand. And then in the beginning, I was kind of very in the mix, but I thought, let me step back so he can, again, it's his journey. Let him embrace that. And it went against everything, everything that in my insights wanted to do. Wanted to do. Wanted I didn't to. say needed to do. <laughs> wanted right. to do because I wanted to take control. But I thought it's the lessons in him being a viable adult. And I always say to him, always, and I said to his teachers, I said to the principal, I'll put it on the banner at the football stadium. I've never been concerned about what you know and your ability to learn because you're one of the smartest people I've ever met. What concerns me is whether it's the organization and your performance and how you're putting all that into play so that you can live the life you desire. That's my concern. Because I know you're smart. You know you're smart. 
And there's going to be outside environmental triggers that are going to push your buttons. And I said, I've spent a lifetime of your lifetime just making sure that I was speaking life and pouring that into you so that when the times get hard and people come to you and come against you, that you're going to remember that nugget because it's it was a seed that was planted and fertilized and watered and it's growing inside of you. It might not always be visible. I think of it as the carrot. So it has might not have sprouted and broke ground yet, but the roots really, really tight down in there. And so one day, and this is him and him being like me, he is so me, just a boy version and just a little bit different. And he was doing something. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm worried you're going to go away and you're, you know, you're getting so big and you've got a driver's license now. And, you know, and I had one of those mom moments and I was sitting there and I was starting to cry. And I said, I'm crying because I'm happy. I said, but I'm allowing my emotion because it is emotional for me to go back to where you started from and to right. see you. And I feel so blessed that God gave me you. That's when I knew I was loved. But I said to him, he was going to go do something. And I said, oh my goodness. I said, how am I going to let you go? And, and he said, mom, you said my <laughs> he said these words. I wish I would have recorded it. But he said, mom, you spent my whole life teaching me how to be a viable adult. He spoke every word back to me. And I was just blown away. Just absolutely blown away. So one of the keys to making sure that we always, always stay connected as a mom, whether it is with our sons, whether it's with our daughters, whether it's with any and everything, we have to make sure that we continue yes, to speak is, life that is so into them. Necessary. And I think for the most part as mothers, we do such a phenomenal job, but we don't always give ourselves the credit because we know what the consequences of failing to do that are. Um, but I am I'm fairly confident. Notice I say fairly because I don't strive I've never <laughs> I've never been one to, to strive for, for for perfection. I'm fairly confident that that I have, because one of the things that, um, as a mother raising sons, and it's something that I, you know, when I, when I either coach with women or we're just having, you know, organic conversations like you and I are having, one of the things that, um, I try to remind them of as they're raising their sons, particularly sons is to realize as we're encouraging and pouring into them to remind ourselves that, this is their life, not ours, because I noticed that there are a number of women, particularly those who did not fulfill their own dreams. They end up trying to live vicariously right. through their children. And in doing so, they turn into these helicopter parents and, and, and d dictating to their children. This is what you should be. This is what you should become because it's what subconsciously it's what, and, and it's what their dreams were. It didn't happen. So now they're sort of giving that hint, hint, hint to their child. And it's not what that child wants. And I 
in many cases found myself doing that early on when my children were younger. I wanted them obviously to be successful. So everything in my, you know, coming out of my mouth when they were much younger had something to do with STEM. You need to go into science. You need to go into business. You know? And I had to laugh one day because a lot of times children, not, not that it happens all the time, children tend to, to be a mirror image in many cases of what their parents were. And I laughed because I said, here I am, you know, when they were younger, as I said, seven, you know, and they're five years apart, seven, five, trying to convince them to go into the STEM field. My husband was far from being the, the, the candidate for a STEM program. And, and truth be told, I was even further. We're creatives. You know, we're writers, you know, uh, you know, and, and such. Right. Neither of my sons had an interest. My younger son is, is, is still very um, gifted when it comes to math. But it came as no coincidence to me as they got older. Um, both of them are very much uh, creatives. So I had to look back and say, just imagine wow. if I had tried to. And I did. My, my oldest son, um, you know, he's a, he's a Morehouse man. When he first went to Morehouse, he was a business major. But he said to me one day, Mom, this is not for me. All right. Uh, I, I want to do journalism, and I had to pull back and say, you know what, do you, more than anything, I want you to be happy, I want you to be successful, but I want <laughs> you to be happy and successful, and both of the, and so therefore, you know, you learn your lessons, if you, if, if, when people who have the luxury of having another a child to, okay, well, let me get to this one next, that second one, I've, when I say I pulled back, I pulled back. You do you. When he came to me one day, as you said, your son said to you about the kids not wanting to play with him because he was brown. My son came home one day because he was upset that, he, as I stated, he's, you know, from a math perspective, he's very gifted. Kids were teasing him, calling him calculator because the teacher would give a, a math problem and he would have the answer before most of the class had worked it out. So they started teasing him about, you know, his math abilities and started calling him calculator. So I won't repeat, <laughs> I won't repeat what I said to him. Um, but in so many words, I said, let them, we'll see who has the last laugh. <laughs> um, but he's as well, he's a creative. That's, that's why I right. said both of them are heading to events where they have press passes. So they're both, you know, very much involved in that aspect of their career. So we have to just let them live their lives and as moms not try and live vicariously through them. And one of the things that that troubled me when my especially when my older son, when my husband died, someone said to him, now this boy is 10, gone eleven, you're the man of the house now. Dina, Dr. Dina, I know I nearly lost my mind because I, I said to my sons, you are my sons. You are not the man of the house. You pay no bills. You have no manly responsibilities here. So I always tell women and remind them, these are your sons. This is your son. This is not your man. Raise them to become a good husband to someone else if that's their choice in the future, but not to replace the, 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 the man void in your life. Right. And I think that as they get older, 
it also becomes a challenge when you bring a new man into your life as a mate and a companion. And if you spend any length of time telling this young, this young whippersnapper (laughs) that he was in control, then oftentimes it creates another point of friction. And for women, and I think maybe about a year or two ago, I kept saying, I want to write a blog about, um, Mm. and I think I titled it, he's not your baby daddy, now what? And, And it was really that dichotomy between saying, I want to build a healthy, as a woman, I want to build a healthy relationship with another man. And I have a child, whether it's a boy or girl, but since we uh, talk about boys, but I'm going to speak to sons particularly, and I have a son. And now I need to blend this relationship. And women will tell those men in their lives, you can't talk to my son. My son Mm -hmm. is... And they go through the litany. Well, your son's not paying your bills. Taking care of you. He can't be your companion and your mate. And I think there's a disconnect. Or I've seen some women, and I've had some clients come to me stressed because they're saying that I can't keep a man. And I said, well, let's look at your relationships that you actually have. And when I look at the parental relationship is that they're so vested in their children's lives that they don't have a life outside of that. And they don't know how to function in that space outside of that. And because they don't function well in that space outside of it, is that they bring dysfunction into any relationship and therein lies the disconnect. While you could be super single, you could be super saved and single. You could be super mom and single. But is that what you really want and you really desire for your life? Because being a mom does not. Oh, wait, no, you got your phrase. No, no, I want you to. uh, uh, Because I remember that was one of the first things that drew me to you. And I and it just hit me in the back of my mind because I'm I'm about to let you say it. Because what you said when I think that was the first time I said, okay, she's my people. Well, well, there are two she says the same thing. So I'm going to let you say because I know you know what I was getting ready to say. One of my favorite T-shirts. And, um, and I have two. The first one says you were a woman before you were a mom. That is my number one favorite t-shirt because I think some women forget that. And my second one is a reflection of my, my, my trademark uh, statement, which is motherhood is not where dreams go to die. Yes. That is my that is my company tagline yeah, you knew, that I trademarked about three years ago. Motherhood <laughs> is not where dreams go to die. So many of us put our our dreams mm-hmm. on the back burner because we become so consumed with motherhood, not understanding that right. it is very difficult for us to authentically tell our children and encourage our children to follow their dreams if they are not witnessing us do the same. And there has to be mm-hmm. a separate, you can be a great mom and right. still follow your dreams. There is no need for you to have to separate your desires as a woman from your yes. responsibilities as a mom. And so many of us struggle with that and think that we can only do one or the other. Right. But you know, speaking of the relationship, one of the things that I, you know, when I, when I share my story and I work right. with women, 
I love using myself as an example. And I tell them I'm an example. I am not the exception. There is life and there is love after loss. I'm an example of that. You know, my husband and I, you know, we dated for eight years before we even got married. Um, So he was my best friend. Um, He became my children's father. So when he left this earth, I I lost my best friend. I lost my husband. I lost my children's father. But I stand here before you today, as I said, more than a decade later, knowing and, and proud and excited and thrilled that I have a man in my life, again, who loves me beyond life, but just as importantly, if not more importantly, Dr. Dina, he loves my children equally and they embrace him as well. And he has always said to them, Mm. I'm not here to replace your father because you can only have one, but I will be the best representation of a man and a father figure in your life that I can be. And he has not failed me or them. And so many women think that, and I see it because one of the things that I'm also Mm. is a grief support facilitator. I do grief support um, for a local organization with widows and widowers. And one of the things that is so difficult is to sit there and hear them feel as if their life is over. And I get it because I was there once. But again, I'm an example. I'm a representation of what it looks like to know that life does go on. There is life after loss. And yes, it is still very possible if that's something you seek to find love again, whether it's post uh, death, post divorce, but you've got, as you said, you've got to carve out that space in your life so that you are attracting what you seek. If you are sending out negative vibes, I'm not available. Everything in my life is about my kids. I have nothing else. Guess what? you're going to attract somebody that's going to say, well, she's just a jump off. She's just a side piece because she doesn't really want a serious relationship. You got to send off the guy. Yes, that's right. She's not willing to invest. She's not willing to sacrifice um, to get in. I um I jokingly, but not so jokingly said, you know what? I want to start this mommy movement. And where we begin to love ourselves first. And and someone, I remember the first time I said it about two years ago, someone's like, oh, I, I like that. And I said, really what this means is that, and, and to truly break it down, is that by me loving myself first and filling my cup, I can then serve and be the best version of me for you instead of a bastardized version that's frustrated and tired and you know snappy and all of that because I made some choices that were good for me so I could be better for you. And I said, it's not trying to take food from your mouth. It's not denying you basic life you know, elements. But what I'm saying is that it's okay to not be okay, number one. It's okay to say, I need some time for me. And it doesn't mean that I don't love you. It means that I need this for me because right now I'm not loving me. So how are you going to know how to love me? And I think that sometimes as women and moms, we miss that part. What are we training our sons and even our daughters to how to build relationships and to represent themselves 
in relationships. So if I want my son to make sure that he aligns himself and marries a woman who is confident and who can, you know, stand on her feet, but who understands that she's important and that relationships are important, then I need to also show him that from a woman's perspective, which is why I said that it takes a mom to really, truly raise a strong son so he can see what is that what does that woman look like and many well, times people opposite, say exactly either a son marries his mother or the complete opposite yes i mean i i have to pull the statistics out on that but i know i've heard it enough that we we do and and for me what does that mean and so i want my son i always said i want you mm-hmm. to be proud of the woman i am first and the mother I've become because it's a growing process. And I said, I'm not going to always get it right, honey. I'm not even going to lie. I said, but know that I'm doing my best. And when I made a decision, yeah. I thought it, it was so the best decision. And then I'm woman women, enough to come and say, oops, my bad. give ourselves permission to become the woman that we want to be and not just the mom that society expects us to be. And that permission piece is something that, and it ties into the guilt that we struggle with. Absolutely. And what you said about being the best version of you, that ties back to that loving yourself and that self-care piece. I I have this acronym for, for you know, and I, and I speak a lot about self-care and it is so important. And it's just, this is just the, 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 the short and sweet version of it. The S, you know, stands for scheduling. We very often schedule everything for our children but very seldom do we schedule time just for ourselves the e is embracing the reality that superwoman is a fictional character we're human so you're not going to be perfect the l is what you just stated lead by example many of the kids that are out here scattered and disorganized and all guess what they're learning that from what they see we have to lead by example. If this is if we're expecting this from our kids, we have to be that example. And then that F, I'm from Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, we said forget about it. So sometimes you just have to forget about the fact that right. oh my God, I didn't I didn't do the laundry, I didn't make dinner, or oh I forgot to to pick <laughs> up the dry clean. Forget about it. You can do it tomorrow. It goes back to that balance. Everything will not be perfect. But we as mothers have to present the best example of what we want to see our sons and go out into the world and gravitate toward. Like I said, most young men marry the the woman who is almost an identical um, facsimile of their mother or the complete opposite. I don't necessarily want a daughter. (laughs) That's everything that I am. But those positive characteristics... I want to feel like I have instilled that right, as an example right. for my sons to go out into the world and say, she must have this because this is what I grew up witnessing in my mother. And it was important to me so that when I have kids, I want that woman to be instilling those characteristics in my children. Right. All right. So now. And we're totally going to have to have like a part two and probably a part three. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, there were so many other <laughs> pieces. I'm like, oh, we're not even touch on that. But 
for those other moms, when we're going to speak particularly to those boy moms, if you had to give them one takeaway, their one today takeaway that they can use to help them really wherever they're they're dealing with or going through might be experienced for them to realize, okay, sister, you're not alone. We got this. You oh, got this. So what many. would that Number piece one of advice I, be for them you know, before, right now? Um, what would realizing you that you're raising them to be young men. You're not raising them to be the young man you want to define. They've got to find their own sense of identity. Keeping in mind that um, you're raising a member of an endangered species. I can't stress that enough. And I don't care what neighborhood you live in. I don't care what car you're driving. You've got to keep it real with them about what life is like for them outside. But more than anything, um, and I've heard this and I can't remember who I heard it, um, heard say it, but our children have wings. We have to let them use them. We have to let them use them. We, it, it's, it's very tempting to want to yes. jump in and correct and help. And in many cases do for our sons, they have wings, let them, but it, 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 in, in, it, it comes back to us when we are confident, and that's a huge part of raising productive young African-American boys, being confident women in who we are, then that empowers us to raise sons who are confident in who they are. We are their example. And if our example is weak, that's going to transfer over into what they look like. But it's that whole excellence versus perfection. They're going to make mistakes. They're not going to be perfect. Be there to love on them so that they can always feel like she's got my back. But when we send them out into the world, if we've done everything in our power as strong, confident women, 99% of the time, we're going to see that in how they go out into the world. That's true. That's really true. That's true. And and I'll speak to what I call my signature 3C, my C3 actually blueprint. And I share that as C3 because actually it's a cubed model. There's actually nine Cs, but I, I like to give things to people in doses. So we thought, start with those, the core foundational C's and that's clarity, confidence, and consistency. And what I would advise all moms out there, and particularly boy moms, is be very clear about the role and relationship that you want to build. And that when you're clear about that, I mean, to the core, when life happens and you're shaken, so whether dad's there or not there, you're joint parenting, whatever it is, that you're just very clear about the relationship you want to build with your son. Because that is what's going to sustain and give you the confidence to make decisions along the way that are tough decisions and that they're not always pretty decisions. They're not always ones that you want to do. And I've had to make decisions as a mom that as a woman, it was like, oh man, you know, but as a mom, I realized that, wow, I got to do this. But I was so clear about the relationship that I'm intentional about, intentional about building with my son, which includes a lot, a lot 
of conscious communication about the hard stuff, the realities. And then that sense of consistency, which is the third piece, has allowed him to grow at his own pace, to really evolve into the best version of him. And I love what you said is that I don't want him to marry a woman that's just like me because I could be only one. I could probably only take one. But it's the characteristics such as being a communicator, being confident enough in who she is to make decisions that are tough in the face of trials and tribulations that other people would be shaken. And it's those takeaways that I want because I want to lead and I have been leading by example. And when it did not go the way that I thought, then I was confident enough and clear enough about my role in relationship about, okay, you know what? Mm, this that probably wasn't such a good move. Or I did this and I said this. And I love the relationship that I have right now with my son. When I say I love the relationship is that he actually communicates with me. And he does it in such a manner and so respectful that um, sometimes I move to tears and I almost want to say, well, you can have whatever you want because I've watched him model everything that was poured into him along the journey. So in him embracing the journey, he picked up all those pieces and what he was fed has made him stronger. So at this point when he's at that point to now fly, I know he has a solid set of toolkit in his toolbox to, to be successful. And I, and I wasn't going to think about this, but when I was talking about communicating, I had to give him permission and opportunity to say, it's okay for you to be mad at me. Just don't disrespect me. It's okay for you not to like what I'm saying because I don't want him to be a yes boy. I want him to say, I don't, I disagree. And here's my why I, I disagree when we're exactly. talking about respectful dynamics. And I think and in so parenting now, it was very different than when I grew up. In, in, in both our cases, raising boys so, as single moms, if you don't have that communication, you're already opening yourself up for issues. And I know growing up, it was do as I say that, you know, that kind of thing. There was no back and forth dialogue in many cases. And I vowed that I was not going to have that type of relationship with my kids. Right. And in the beginning, sometimes I wanted to say, you know, um, I, I caught myself because I said, so you know what I mean? That kind of thing. <laughs> and, and instead I reframed the language and I said, there's times that I'm not going to be able to explain it probably to the way you like, but I need you to trust me that if I'm give whatever I'm giving you is what I need to give you right now, what I can provide for you right now. And I said, is that fair? I mean, <laughs> so it was, and that I know what I'm talking about, but you know what? You're going to make mistakes, but I want you to make your own mistakes. And I want you to make the less than crazy mistakes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I said, I want to make sure that, that not, you're um, making good mistakes for you. Be real. There are some mistakes that can be made <laughs> to that learn. can be life shattering. Those aren't the mistakes we want to see you make. But yes, we're not, you know, you're going to fall off that bike. But what do we do when we fall off the bike? We get back on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So that was the key um, for me that I I said, wow, Dina, you've grown up. <laughs> and I realized I go back to, you know, like I said, we're there's so many things that we're going to talk we, about. We you definitely talk about this all, all day long back. because it's Probably like, I, as I, I said don't know how before, many times, but there's so you many and I are in different stages of our journey <laughs> as parents, but. There are so many things that you talk about that I smile because I remember those those days. I read some of your so you you made a social media post this week and I smiled um, because I said yes. I know what she's going through, but this too will pass. And you said something about I'm going to count to three or something and this is going to be over and I'm going to let it. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I give myself, yes, I say what I say to myself, and this wasn't even about like even him. It was that something had occurred and I process, I'm, I'm really, really reflective. And so moms spend some time with yourself, being quiet with yourself. And before you unleash you on the world, including your children, get clarity and sometimes just be quiet. And I say that to my son, okay, right now, I probably can't talk right now. It has nothing to do with you. I just can't because everything that's happened is going to come out. So I need to have some time. And so a situation that occurred and as I was processing through it, I was just so angry and hurt by the manner in which it occurred because I just thought I would never do this to someone or treat a person this way. And yet how could you um, so callously just and nonchalantly make certain statements to me when that's not my kind of a person. And I thought you, you know, I don't treat you like that type of thing. And you're supposed to quote unquote, you know, care about me. And and friend hurt is very different than other people, especially when you've invested and, and you're watching. And so at that point, it was the reality that you're not really my friend. You know what I mean? You were wearing a title that you haven't earned. And so I was kept rolling over the situation in my mind and not being grateful that God granted me discernment to kind of get it. And so I honored the space. This was the same thing I shared with my son. Honor that space to say, okay, I'm just hurt right now. I'm, I don't even want to be rational. I don't even want to be, <laughs> to be analytical. But it's, I always put a time no, limit it's, it's normal. on my and, dysfunction, and, 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 I call it. That I, so, I I hold you got five and minutes. I have to say it often because I'm guilty of it. I'm <laughs> I'm always trying to give people the benefit of the doubt. But something that I share this past weekend, and it was amazing how so many people, if they didn't comment on my social media post, they sent me an inbox, and it stated, "When God shows you someone's true colors over and over again, stop trying to paint a different picture." They are who they are. And that was so, I resonated so well with that, Dina, mm-hmm. because as I said, I'm always trying to find a reason to give people the benefit of the doubt, but I had to finally say enough already. As you said, friend hurt is a whole nother different type of hurt. I had to let go because this is who this person is. And no matter how pretty I want to make the, mm-hmm. the, the picture and no matter how many nice things they may have done for me. The fact is these not so nice things are starting to mushroom over 
the nice things. And I can't keep only focusing on the nice things. These not so nice things make it enough. And I'm done. And sometimes you just have to be done. Not mad, but done. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. No, like, you know, that's a whole nother show. Like, just, I just need you because, you know, I was trying to jot the, just go on and just do the hashtags. I said, we might need to have our own series going on. I said, because, and, and it happens each time. It's just so rich and so good and apropos that th- there's this sense of, um, connectedness. And when I did an episode with Francesca, we talked about when you know your people and how do you really build safe spaces and positive relations with other women is that there's something that connects in the beginning. You're like, Ooh, okay. And then if you want it to be something, you have to nurture it, but it's always there. So it doesn't matter what time they call, whatever else, if it's been months, yeah. there's a connectivity that stays. I know. And, and, this and is that's what, so powerful. This is why th- um, this conversation And I said, when so I first time I talked, I was like, okay, how do we just stay on for like three hours? what I stated before when you asked me <laughs> and to, I, to, I feel like to I've known you my whole them, life. You know, statement. And we were women before we were moms. And what we've just done in this conversation is talk not just about the struggles of being moms, and moms of boys and being moms of black boys, but it always comes back to yes. the conversation about us and our relationships and dealing with ourselves individually and collectively as women. That we're doing, we're having struggles on all levels, whether it be in intimate relationships, whether it be in our careers, whether it be in business, whether it be in moms. One of the things that I've, you know, I struggled with, and I said I had to stop doing it all my life. I was defining myself by titles. I was initially somebody's daughter, somebody's sister. Then I became somebody's wife. Then I became two little boys, the mother of two little boys. Then as I yes. moved in, and then I moved into corporate America, I was always, you know, so-and-so go to her head. And most of my career, I was, you know, working in human mm-hmm. resources. I was that person to come to. And I lost sight of Jacqueline, the woman trying to be all these things. And that's why it's so important, as you stated, in order for us to be the best mom, the best friend, the best companion, we've got to show up as the best version of ourselves. And we oftentimes forget about that. We put it on the back burner and we say, well, let me just focus on my business plan. Let me just focus on getting my son to whatever activity. Let me just focus on making this dinner. But what about us? Mhm. I would love oh, to. Wow. I would yeah. love to. Be no, you're. Oh my it God, you're so end. right. It doesn't. Okay, end. It so end. y'all know what I'm getting ready to say is that stay tuned. Be ready for part two. <laughs> I said. I said. I said it's, whew, it doesn't end, but there's so much. I was just like, there's so much more, you know, and that when we think about what it means and what, it, you know, th- those takeaways and stuff. And so I'm just going to tell y'all that. Well, on Facebook, sh- we'll continue. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that page, you, as well as, now, um, how do they find Jacqueline you? Cause they, they don't, they need some of your name. How do they find you page, on social media or in the world? Or on website? Twitter, Instagram, 
Um, I am and Pinterest, which I don't use as much as I should. Uh, you can find me as Mogul Mom Du Jour, and that's M O G U L M O M D U J O U R. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, it's Jacqueline Miller. I'm all over social media. It's difficult not to find me. Um, yeah, actually, mm. you know what's interesting? I, and this is why you never know who's watching you. I had someone Google me like you just to you ask Google me to me. be a part <laughs> of an event. It was a virtual <laughs> event. She was in France. And I asked her, how did she find me? And she said, Googling certain keywords. And she came across me. But if you if you Google Jacqueline Miller, um, there are a couple of us, but I can guarantee you I will show up in <laughs> in one of the top searches. Oh, wow. Yep, 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 yep. And um, you can listen and share the Walking Through Glass podcast on iTunes, iTunes Podcast, Google Music Play, um, Podbean, Stitcher. Um, You need need to get this. There's multiple ways to do so. (laughs) And you can definitely follow me at Dr. Dina Speaks on Instagram and Twitter. And I am also available on LinkedIn. So you're welcome to follow me on LinkedIn at Dr. Dina C. Brown. And I thank you for listening. And if anything resonated with you, anything resonated with you, please make sure you you know drop some ahas in the comment and definitely leave a review, whether on iTunes or Podbean or wherever you have the pleasure of listening to um, the show and follow follow so you know when more of this yumminess is coming your way, right? So I thank you, thank you, thank you for joining me on Walking Through Glass, the podcast, and look forward to our next conscious conversation. Bye.